This is the FS podcast hosted by Exadel. Exadel are the leading provider of digital transformation, managed services, and staff augmentation for the financial markets. Today, we're joined by Manny Raposo. Manny leads HR and recruitment at Exadel and has absolute decades of senior leadership experience at some of the largest traditional banking providers on the planet. Manny is also a personal friend of mine, and I'm a big fan of her, so I'm really excited for this one. Hi, Manny. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Deborah. No, thanks for having me. This is exciting. Great. So it's all over the news and social media. Could you tell us a bit about what's going on at Silicon Valley Bank and what it means for the wider banking community? Yes, of course. Yes. And and a lot has happened over the past couple of weeks. Lots of activity going on with respect to Silicon Valley Bank and, and other related banks, such as Signature, that followed suit. Um, we refer to these types of banks as regional or t- uh, tier two or tier three banks. It's never good when the FDIC step in and, you know, take control over bank and their assets. It always invokes a bit of investor panic um, and a little bit of market disruption. And, and this is what we've seen. It's my opinion that the fall of the SVP bank stemmed from inadequate internal risk governance, as well as the government rolling back some of the regulations back in 2018. Um, clearly when the balance sheet looks healthy and and where you know, companies look profitable, often what seems to happen is we kind of relax a little bit with the oversight and we lack a little bit of economic foresight to forecast potential pitfalls that may be detrimental to the business health. Um, Back in the in the pandemic, SVP tripled their deposit growth, and the bank was doing extremely well. As a result, they take all this growth and leverage their treasury area to invest in certain instruments. And it is my view my view that they invested too heavily and were highly concentrated in long term government uh, backed uh, mortgage securities as well as bonds. Fast forward to what recently happened, um, you know, with the Fed increasing their interest rates at the, you know, latter part of 2022 and early 2023, SVP found themselves having a chunk of their securities really tanking. So they had to sell a lot of those securities um, as a result of the interest rate hikes. And they were starting to experience a reduction in a lot of the deposits. So in order to mitigate that, they sold some of their securities and took a a $1.8 billion loss. What did that mean? That mean panic set in and quite a few clients uh, pulled out of SVP all at once, creating a really bad situation where um, clearly the FDIC had to step in. What does this chaos all mean to the wider top tier banking industry? Well, it's my view that while we're seeing other regional banks tanking, such as Signature Bank, First Republic, um, I don't think that this is going to be what is referred to a contingent in in the market. I do think that the large banks are extremely regulated with mature risk governance frameworks um, that ensure the appropriate mitigations and decision-making to avoid such catastrophes. Moreover, these large banks are extremely diversified, avoiding concentration investment risks, 
and backed by experienced board of directors who have navigated through major market market downturns. And we've seen this um, in 2008. So not concerned at all when it comes to the larger banks. Um, I think this is happening really to the regional banks and, um, and I think it'll be pretty much contained within that world. In fact, I think some of the larger banks have currently been reporting uh, increased in deposit flows because of the collapses of these regional banks. So there's a positive side to all of this with the wider banking industry. But there is always a but. These are situations that should prompt the banking industry and regulators to revisit areas such as capital requirements and better understanding of whether these regional banks must be regulated similar to the way we manage the larger banks. We'll see what transpires in the next coming weeks. I'm sure the regulators are gonna come in and provide their views and their steer. What do you think banks can do to help inspire their customers with loyalty and trust? I think it's all about truly banks. It's a homogenous world. And I think the differentiator is always about the client experience and the culture values that particular bank has embedded into their institution. It is through the tough times that these clients and me being a client and you being a client assess the quality of our banking relationships with the people that, that service us. Clients always want that human interaction with the very people that manage their money and investments. That's near and dear to them, you know, no different than their children. Money and investments are up there, sadly. Um, they don't want to leave a message. They don't want to send yet another email. They want to be able to connect with their representative and meet them face to face, whether that's physical, whether that's virtual. This is what breeds client loyalty and trust. Offering a personalized, consistent experience, along with sensible options for clients, will be the differ differentiator amongst the large banks. Having a people-first culture, supporting communities and the environment further solidify client loyalty and often is the criteria that's been used in, in some of the Pricewaterhouse uh, surveys it's some of the criteria that clients say they look for when choosing a bank or staying with a bank. What should the number one priority be for banks in 2023 and how can they achieve it? Good question. Um, I think the number one priority should be around client engagement or the client experience. Um, because that's what's going to get us through the the tough times um, and how we do that is is going to be key and essential um, because sometimes how we do it does mean investment and you know while we're all in this cost containment environment of really understanding that there is a bit of volatility in the market interest rates are they going to continue to go higher we have geopolitical stuff happening with you know war in 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 the world uh, inflation rates are extremely high. Everybody's feeling it, regardless of your pay grade. Um, I think that the one thing that banks need to focus on is retaining their client. We don't want a client attrition. And it's the experience and, the, and that experience is what's going to provide that client 
that warm and fuzzy and trusted feeling to be loyal. So how are they going to do this? Well, here's where we as fintech companies or Exadel in our case come in. I think through digitization and through artificial intelligence, which is the two things that come to mind, is where we can enable these banks to really, really uh, provide their clients with the best experience quickly uh, and make and make the service that they provide to the client a little bit more relevant to the client. So a little bit tailored to the client is always um, great to give them that understanding that we know their business and we know you more than just a bank client. And how do we do that as Exadel? Well, I think we're pros at digital transformation. We understand data is key and we are specialists in understanding the that data and organizing it in such a way to meet client needs. We don't believe in boiling the ocean, but we believe that deploying at speed and scale is where the value is immeasurable. Often what tends to happen and coming from um, experience with working at two, three larger banks, what tends to happen is we do boil the ocean. We put together what we believe to be the transformation priorities for that given year. We build a project plan, which is there with all the required life cycle steps for that project. And typically it's, you know, takes you a year to a year and a half to get the full function and the full value of that project. And all the while in between, what tends to happen is market volatility, which potentially may stop a lot of the spend that we need into that to see that project come to fruition. Regulatory changes. Now you're invoking a bit of change management and a bit of risk and, and you know, so on and so on and so on. A year or two go by, you're still not where you want to be. You're still not adding a lot of functionality and value to the client. And quite often we go over the budget. So we're really good at, at agile methodologies. And to, to me, this is the game-changing way of doing business to really get um, speed to market, fast, good functionality, quick return on investments, with really understanding used cases, because we're very use case driven, and believe in, in working around agile methodologies to deliver the quick functionality and those results that clients could see almost immediately in, in small stints. Um, we pull together really good agile teams. We leverage the use cases with clients collectively and build up a, a proof of concept, quite simply. We take this proof of concept, we test it, we learn a little bit more about it, we adjust some of the requirements and we execute in short stints. There you go, value immediate to the client. And then we take on the next use case and we continue to do that while uh, making sure that we include all stakeholders in parallel and work on these um, use cases to really create a viable product that we know is almost fail-proof when we build that proof of concept. And then we embrace the next capability 
and the next partnership with, and we've done this with major banks and it's ultimately created a lot of good client experience and engagement and we have testimonials on those. So I think that's the way to go for these large banks in 2023. And I believe that's how we can help them. So how much does that cost? Because with everything going on, I imagine there's a lot of pressure on budgets, but also a lot of pressure to innovate and keep up. Um, what can traditional banks do to be more cost effective and innovate at the same time? So do the things you are doing, but also be cost effective. I think it's really picking the more client facing complex use cases. Where are these banks going to get their best return on the investment that they make in order to compete, in order to put your organization at a really good uh, competitive level where you become the differentiator amongst a homo homogeneous environment, you really have to spend money regardless. It's understanding how much you have to spend and understanding the best approach to getting the largest benefit for your spend to that end client. And I think it is through agile methodologies. So because these agile methodologies and we're able to build squads or teams that can do a lot of the work in parallel as opposed to sequentially, you're already saving because the amount of cost for a project, for your traditional project um, methodologies and timeframes um, is reduced quite simply just by being able to uh, add, you know, short-term pain for the long-term gain, adding a lot of, of talent and skill set to, you know, in one concentrated used case and having everybody deliver their piece of it within a short time frame gets you that benefit quickly, you're not going to spend as much. Um, so I think it's really moving away from the traditional ways of doing business, which tends to suck up a lot of time and a lot of budget investment. But more importantly, it's looking at those complex um, situations that we know we got to fix that offers up the end user quick service and and a lot of value is where we have to be a little bit more concentrated in. Why should traditional banks choose Exadel as their partner to help them innovate? Because we're the new way, we're game changing. We are a culture of, we. it's not that we cannot do it, it's that we can do it and we could do it better and faster. I believe Exadel and its global footprint with Europe, Latin America, North America, and the skill sets in those countries and regions are, are, are second to none. And we've seen this with top tier banks. We've seen this with um, large retail clients that are extremely well known in, in, in the world. And we've had really good track record with delivering a lot of high complex um, type of projects in the digitized and transformation world 
uh, quickly to the point where our success rate is huge. We don't have a failure rate. I haven't heard of any situation where we've actually put together a proposition collectively with the client and we didn't deliver. I've always heard that we exceeded the client expectations um, because we we pride ourselves on the quality and the execution. And that's what we're all our methodologies. We understand through a lot of the people that we've hired and a lot of our clients, what it's like to be on the other side. We've been there and we could deliver with a high degree of intelligence and subject matter expert because we're very, very intentional when we hire our folks all over the globe. And we try to hire the best of the best to deliver and to execute. You mentioned that you've worked at a few banks. What are some obstacles that you've seen to successful implementations and how can financial services providers overcome those challenges? Good question. My experience has always been in the traditional larger banks, the bureaucracy is such a hindrance. And, uh, you know, within our organization, we're a very flat organization. We tend to make decisions quick and fast. Um, and we can almost influence and steer the client with good information to help them get the right decision outcome quick and fast. But I, you know, my experience has always been in these traditional banks, we do a whole lot of talking and not a whole lot of doing. And we paralyze ourselves. And I think it's because we try to boil the ocean. I think it's because we try to be all things to all people, um, as opposed to being very intentional around where do we want to deliver the best capability and the best capability to get the best return on investment and then work on the next. Don't boil the ocean. Understand your client needs. Be out there. There are key themes that you we can attack and deliver very quickly. Um, but more importantly, within budget. And when we if we if we stick to the traditional ways. Um, if we stick to having to navigate through a lot of bureaucracy, I think we're always going to be in a, in a situation where we often get paralyzed to move forward quickly. And we can do it. I mean, you look at the pandemic and what came out of that. Large digitization came out of that. It took a pandemic to really get us to move fast. But that's what Exidel is about. Is about. It's literally applying the critical thinking and, and the great ideas and, and have the brain power behind it to execute. But we have to get away from the traditional way of doing things, which is too much scope, too long, too costly. So last, fast. last question, if people are interested in hearing more, um, how can they find out about you or Exidel? Easy. They can do two things. They can go on our Exidel website and ask for just a general meeting. And we have lots of people ready and able to have very good first discussions with, with anybody who's interested. You can email myself, mreposo 
at exadel.com and that's M-R-A-P-O-S-O at exadel.com. And I pretty much know our team. We're very close. We're a great family here and I can connect you with the right people. Thank you so much for joining us, Manny. Thank you, my pleasure. Hope to talk to some of you soon. This was the FS podcast hosted by Exadel. Don't forget to follow us to hear more.